everyone, Jessica here. Today on the podcast, I have Liz and uh, she has a website called Meat Free Keto. And so we're going to talk about keto and how we do it the vegan way. So I'm extremely excited about this topic. And um, I know there's a lot of people that are vegan and would like to know how to become keto or even vice versa, people that are keto that like to take a meat-free approach. So anyways, Eating healthy, living healthy, being healthy. This is the Holistic Keto Goddess Podcast. A podcast focused on holistic wellness and teaching you about incorporating the keto diet and lifestyle changes to achieve an energetic balance. Teaching you how to live now so you don't struggle to live later. And now, your host, Jessica Ankaya. How are you doing today, Liz? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm good. I think I'm pretty good, like all things considered. I can't yeah. complain. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. Yeah, I am. I am doing really good. So let's just get started. Um, how long you? How long have you been doing meat-free keto? And did you start off as vegan and then convert to keto, or what? What's your story? <laughs> So I started off as vegan. Um, I actually, I went vegetarian at around 11 just because it made me sad to eat animals. You know, the like, of course, like a child, that's my like first instinct. And then about 10 years later, I went vegan a little more than that. Like, so in my twenties, I went fully vegan. And then after after trying like different forms of the vegan diet, like, do you remember when like high carb raw vegan diets were really popular? And there was like a very brief moment in time where we were all eating like a million bananas every day and making like smoothies out of like just dates. It was like, it was so much sugar. And in hindsight, obviously I didn't feel good doing that. No, you get tired. Like that's just a ton of carbs. Like how could I function on that? (laughs) I No, I couldn't. I was completely like incapacitated. I would basically just nap and drink smoothies all day. And I was freezing cold in the middle of summer. It was just, it was not good. My digestion was terrible. Again, obviously I'm just eating all of this like fruit which is great for some people, but not for me. Yeah. Um, and then I just started exploring and saying, well, if I do really horribly on a high carb diet, I wonder how I would do on a low carb diet because like screw moderation. Why don't we just, well, I say screw moderation, but like moderation is what I had been doing my whole life. And I had been sick my whole life. I had been dealing with like crazy IBS issues, a lot of inflammation, like a lot of, um, like autoimmune issues. And so I was like, well, that clearly that didn't work. So let's see if there's any like dietary therapeutic approach that I could just like do on myself to see if I could sort of improve a lot of these, I guess, symptoms. And so I stumbled across low carb diets and keto somewhere on the internet. I don't even remember. This was like 10 years ago. Mm. And I, I thought like, Oh, I'll just give it a try. And like, I was vegan at the time. So it just never occurred to me to do it with meat or with like animal products. I was just like, oh, I'll just see if I can take like this set of macronutrient rules and this set of like, I guess, recommended foods and tailor it. It Just like remove all the animal products. So tailor it to a vegan diet. And then Mm -hmm. here we are 10 years later. Oh, great. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. When, when you were, um, going into, uh, from vegan to more of a low carb approach, 
did you find like it was hard to limit your carbs because, you know, some of the things that like, say for instance, some of the proteins that we consume, like, um, you know, where I'm going with this. I totally do. Garbanzo <laughs> beans. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> totally. Like so many vegan protein sources, like all vegan foods, all plant foods are tied up with carbohydrate just because that's the nature of it. That's how plant foods work. So it was, it was definitely tricky at the beginning, especially because it was back before I knew that things like protein powders existed really, which sounds so silly now because they're everywhere. Obviously protein powders exist, but 10 years ago, I was just really oblivious to that. Um, and so I would eat, I would eat these like really poorly constructed meals. I hadn't gone to school. Like I was still in school for nutrition, but I had just started. So I didn't know anything. I, I was just sort of going in blind. And so as I would learn more about nutrition, I would incorporate more and more vegetables into my diet. And then I realized that I actually felt better not restricting myself to just the 20 grams because that, that is so limiting. And what ends up happening is, is you just resort to like, like eating a lot of oil and like a lot of like fat bombs, which are fine if that's the way you want to do it. But just like, they weren't nourishing like my soul as weird as that sounds. Like I missed oh, eating yeah. real foods. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just started playing around with like raising the carbohydrate limit and I settled around 30, 30 worked really well for me to stay like in a pretty deep state of ketosis, but also to be able to enjoy a lot of, um, just, just like different vegetables and some berries and stuff, which is like important, you know? Oh, it is. Um, do you find that sometimes, I mean, cause I've seen some, I mean, if you eat, if you eat like a quarter cup of like, say, um, the garbanzo beans, that's not as many, do you do that to like small portions of those beans? That's see, that's so, yeah, exactly. It's so, I'm so glad you said that because I see so many people saying like, oh, you can't have like garbanzo beans or you mm. can't have like strawberries or something on keto. And it's like, okay, well you can't have a cup of them, but, and stay in ketosis that is, but you can have a quarter cup of them. And exactly. if you exercise, you get to have more because your body's using up glycogen stores. And if you just want to be kind of hovering in a light state of ketosis, a lot of people can do that on 50 grams of net carbs a day, which is kind of, that's a lot of garbanzo beans, but like, it is, it is. Yeah. And I, found, I found that that's, that's what I'll do is because I, I, I get tired of, um, well, you know, sometimes I'll do tofu, but I think garbanzo beans or even lentils, I'll just have a very small amount and it's satisfying because they're so filling. I mean, they just like expand in your stomach. And so, yeah, that, I'm glad we brought that up. <laughs> yeah, me too. Especially because yeah. um, beans and legumes, they contain lysine, which is one of the essential amino acids. That's so really hard for vegans on a ketogenic diet specifically to get from um, like other sources. It's pretty much just beans for vegans. Like it's, exactly. it's in small amounts in a lot of foods, but like beans are really the major source. So if you cut them out completely, you're missing out on all of these good amino acids and um, like fiber and all of this, all of these phytochemicals that you don't necessarily get, obviously fibers and other food, but like specific types of polysaccharides that are in beans. Right. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go, they go good paired with like cauliflower rice and, you know, it's just like having, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And like, they're just delicious. So it's like yeah. a great way to round out a salad or like, a, mm -hmm. I do a lot of like, 
instant pot one pot meals lately where I just toss a bunch of vegetables in and then you're like oh I'll just like throw some beans in too because it rounds out the meal (laughs) yeah yeah it does it does and and you can um yeah and they're they're not they're not it's it's not like if you're eating soup it's not like you're eating a cup full of the garbanzo beans anyway you know exactly it still all mixes up so awesome um what are your thoughts um about ayurveda and integrating that yay (laughs) (laughs) i love this yeah Um, because that's what i've been doing here lately and i've been doing um yeah, so I'm a vata dosha. Now you know about the different. You are too. Ah. I'm also a vata dosha. Yeah, yeah. So we get along so well. I get tell. Yeah, we can. Yeah. So I'm. I'm. You know. I need. Um. I'm. This is great. This is. This conversation was meant to happen. So it's like I need the grounding foods, but yet I'm. I'm doing something where I try to keep my carbs lower. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, if I eat too many carbs, I'm like. But at the same time, we need to be grounded because we're vatas. So if you can explain like what is a good meal um, for just an average meal and then maybe a breakfast meal for yeah. vata dosha and then maybe a little bit about some of the other, how you would integrate Ayurveda with vegan keto. Totally. So I'm so glad you brought this up and like, this really was meant to be obviously. <laughs> um, so I too am a vata and so during the winter, I will often include more carbohydrates in my foods. Cause as you said, we need to be grounded. We need to be warmed. We need to be filled of this like wet, like fiery warming, like moisturizing as weird as that word sounds, yes. you know what I mean? Like those oily foods that like fill, fill you up and feel good. Um, and which is, I mean, kind of perfect for keto in regards to at least the higher fat content, because you, you can totally add more fat to a meal and it will warm you and pacify that, that vata dosha. But at the same time, it also is beneficial for keto. It does get into more, more difficulty when you start looking at all the vegetables, because some of the most like keto friendly vegetables do exacerbate, they elevate vata. So like cauliflower is the mm-hmm. big one that unfortunately, <laughs> does. <laughs> But I try to use more, I'm going to say like sweet vegetables, if you know what I mean. So like um, butternut squash and pumpkin, I will use a lot of in um, my like meals. Oh, so for a nice breakfast, I might do um, like a bowl of, I call it note meal, which is like hemp seeds and chia seeds and flax seeds mm-hmm. with like some non-dairy milk. And then maybe I'll stir in some pumpkin and, mm-hmm. and this is like a warmed meal. And then some like cinnamon and ginger and clove and nutmeg and like all these like just delicious warming spices. And then I use stevia as a sweetener. So that's just like the one that I like. Yeah. 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 So like, that's how I would incorporate like, I guess, vata pacifying foods into a breakfast. Mm -hmm. But also, I don't know if you do this, but I try to sort of make it more of like a whole lifestyle thing where it's like, I try to eat at the same times every day to like establish that grounding pattern, that regularity. Right. Cause otherwise it's like, you kind of go off into space a little bit. (laughs) I do. I get spaced out and I'm like, Oh, I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. Exactly. (laughs) Jessica, you can't do everything. You cannot do everything. You have to pick, you know, it's like, calm down, you know, you're going to eat breakfast this time and you eat lunch this time and eat uh, dinner at this time. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I I feel like you get me. So that's exactly what I've been doing. And of course, like 
So in the summertime, like I have like a daily yoga practice that involves like, of course, like meditation and pranayama, like the whole package. Um, but in the summer, is, yeah. the, like the asana part might be like a little more or like the physical part of it. For those who I'm just like throwing Sanskrit out there. Um, if you don't know, asana is like the physical part of yoga, but like I'll have like a more, I guess, energized one in the summertime or in warmer months when I've got a little more energy to expend. But in the winter, I just like really like to settle into like restorative and yin yoga for that like grounding and that like slowing down and forcing me to not, as like you were saying, try to do a thousand things all at the same time and end up doing no things, <laughs> not completing anything. And you've just done 10 things, 10%. <laughs> when you could have yeah. just done that one thing <laughs> yeah I'm I'm yeah I definitely can can yeah I relate to that that is me I will start a project I'm like oh I'll get to it and oh wait I forgot about that I was doing that like I don't know 20 days ago and then I just forgot about it and so yeah it's so important that with with Vata to have that grounding and the schedule and so that's what right. I, that's what I've been doing. And then, you know, it's like, I've, I have felt, yeah, I recently just believe it or not switched to more of an Ayurvedic lifestyle is over the last month because awesome. I've been doing, um, keto vegan before then. And I was eating like these cold foods, like, um, during the winter and right. I was bloated and just not, not digesting well. And so I was like, what's going on? And then I had a consultation and she told me, well, I did an online quiz and it said I was probably a, a um, more of a pitta, but then, or a kapha, but then I got a, had a consultation. She's like, no, you're vata, all vata. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> and so she's like, you got to eat warm, warming foods. You have to make sure you're doing that three times, you know, just, you know, make sure you're three times a day you know, like meals. And it's like, this is different. Cause I was used to fasting. Like I would fast. Right. Um, and so it's, it's definitely different, but so do you fast or do you incorporate, um, during the summer with your Vata dosha, do you incorporate more like uh, cold foods? Is that, or spring, summer months? Is that how you? Yeah. So that's like pretty much exactly what I do. Um, I don't fast in the winter. Cause I find that I just, it doesn't feel good to me. Um, I'm not really a breakfast person, but I do want a meal like between 10 and noon. Usually like, as you know, you just like, you're supposed to listen to your body and mm. I hate eating at seven in the morning. It's never felt good to me. So I'll just have like a nice big mug of like matcha with a bunch of coconut milk in it. Or, um, mm. I don't drink ca caffeinated coffee anymore, but I'll have like a nice decaf coffee with a bunch of mm -hmm. like either coconut milk or just some other non-dairy milk and just try to make that a little bit fattening so that I have some calories in me. So I'm not just like floating off in space, but, um, in the summertime, I do find that I'll often be hungrier early in the morning. Like, I don't know though. It's weird. It depends. Like if I'm exercising a lot, I'm like raring to go first thing in the morning, I want to eat, but if I'm not exercising, I could fast like the whole day and it doesn't phase me. Um, but what I definitely do incorporate in the summer is a lot of raw foods and a lot of just colder foods and okay, yeah, like more hydrating stuff and just, yeah, I guess all of these probably more Vata exacerbating flavors, but it's summertime. So you're trying to like beat the, the heat. You're trying to cool yourself down. 
Yeah. So you can, you can start incorporating that. So that's good. Cause I was thinking, okay, I, hopefully by the summer, I'll be good to go with the raw. And cause like I said, I've only been doing Ayurveda for the last month. So, yeah, totally. And like yeah. these things can apply for all the doshas because mm -hmm. as you know, you not only eat according to your, to pacifying your like dominant dosha That's or right. ba balancing it, but you also eat according to the seasons. And so in the springtime, it's like when you, it's like kapha season, it's all wet and everything. And oh, it's so nice. I love spring. It smells it so too. earthy and like, it smells like rain all the time. Yeah. And so you want, right. Yeah. So you want to be eating like those astringent foods, like, mm -hmm. um, like the greens and like some sour foods and really trying to balance out that kapha. And then in fall, which is similar to winter, it's very dry and very cold. And so all of those fall baking spices and squashes are totally perfect because they do, they pacify that vada and that goes across the board for all doshas. And of course you can, you can modify the spices or the vegetables mm -hmm. of something for your specific dosha, like pitta might want to stay away from the pitta is like the fiery one for everyone at mm -hmm. home. Um, they might want to stay away from adding too much spice or too much heat to meals because that can exacerbate the already very like hot, I guess we'll say, yeah. um, I guess temperature that they burn at and they already, they tend to have more stomach acid going and be prone to things like reflex. So reflux. So adding like bunch of chili powder to a curry might be a terrible idea for them. <laughs> like they yeah. want that flavor, but it's not mm -hmm. the best. So, and yeah. then I think something with kapha that people who have a predominantly kapha dosha, there's this idea that like, oh, maybe keto isn't right for me because it's so full of fat. And like, I already I've heard have that. this, right. Like I already have this constitution that is very like, I guess tends to hold fat more easily. But I think that it really just depends on the types of fats you're incorporating. It's like things like coconut oil is a very light oil in Ayurveda. And so it's recommended for coffee to use coconut oil or, and just even like incorporating more of those leafy greens and more of those vegetables and incorporating more movements suited to kapha and trying to sort of balance everything out. I know I'm just very vague right now. No, like, no you know, perfect. Yeah. Right. And like Ayurveda is so person specific that like, you don't want to give too many like general pieces of advice. But at the same time, I think that I've at least seen so many people who have a kapha dosha or, um, or like their kapha is out of balance have success on a ketogenic diet. I think it is worth exploring. And of course, keto isn't for everyone. Like there are definitely people who don't thrive on it. And that's just, yeah, that's just, it is what it is. So I don't know. I always feel like I need to say that because so many people think that if they don't do well on it, they're doing it wrong or sorry, there's the dog. Um, they, <laughs> they think they're doing it wrong or they've been told by someone on the internet that like, oh, if you're not losing weight, if you're not feeling good on keto, you're not doing it right. But I mean, yeah. just some people, some people aren't meant for it. Just like I'm not meant for a high carb diet, but I know some people do really well. That's right. Yeah. And there's, and there's several renditions of keto and you just do what works for you. Exactly. And, you know, as long as I mean, you could have a different way that you do it, but as long as, you know, you're achieving what you're supposed to achieve, then you're good. Exactly. And so like during the winter with keto and incorporating stuff for your Vata dosha, do you find that you go up on your carbs a little bit? Like, I know you're saying 30, but how, like how high, cause 
I'm just wondering for myself and then also for sure. the audience who's wanting to do both and who might be, you know, and since Vata is the pro- predominant dosha in the winter. Absolutely. So that's such a good question. And the answer is yes, yes. I, I definitely find myself incorporating more carbs, at least like more, again, those like sweet vegetables, like squashes and sweet potato beans. Exactly. Sweet potato, like in very small amounts, but like, again, like you can put sweet potato in a stew. And if you've got a bunch of stuff in there, there's not that many carbs from the sweet potato. It's just all about measuring things out to say, okay, like this is the net carbs that I want in this meal. And this is how many net carbs are in. Sorry to talk. Um, this is how I, many I net have, carbs are. I, have, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> he was being so good. Yeah. <laughs> but you'll say like, how many net carbs are in a cup of sweet potatoes? Okay. Well, like I'm going to add this to this meal and now we're dividing it out by the six portions of soup. And oh, it's like not that bad. That's so you right. really can you can mix and match. And, um, I've been doing something that I like to call like medium carb every once in a while, which is Mm -hmm. just having a day where instead of, instead of eating like the butternut squash, which is still a little higher in carbs, I will eat the sweet potato and just have like a day to nourish my body and refill glycogen sores. And that's right. Sometimes you want a sweet potato. Yeah. Sometimes you just want a whole sweet potato. Yeah. Yeah. With like peanut butter and cinnamon, a plus combination. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's, that's the key. Very comforting and perfect. Exactly. For that are yeah. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so you asked about numbers. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to ignore that part. No, you're fine. So you're fine. Typically in the winter, I aim for between 30 and 50 net carbs a day. And I don't stress if I get kicked out of ketosis because I still feel really good, at least in the winter time when it's so cold out, um, I, I still feel good eating. Maybe my body's just burning more carbs to like stay alive in the winter. Right. Right. I think, I think it does. Yeah. So that makes me feel good because I've been going up on my carbs since doing Ayurveda. Yeah. But I was, I've been trying to think, well, how about I you know, cause I'm trying to get used to it, but now that I'm used to it, I'm like, I got to get back to lower carb. And so I'm trying to get, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to switch some things up. So that makes me feel good, you know, and cause I have been doing a little bit more higher carbs, especially since it's winter and I'm Bata and, but yeah, that I'm glad you said all that. And it gives me inspiration yeah. again to oh, good. come back again <laughs> because during the summer and spring, I, you know, I do, um, and even the fall, I was doing even um, well, of course this is before Ayurveda, but I was doing more of, are you there? You know, I found I was doing raw and, and stuff like that. And, um, I'm in more of a, um, uh, ketosis and that's what I was doing anyways, before Ayurveda, you know, I would, um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad we, this, this is good. This is very helpful for people. That I agree. <laughs> it Especially. Is Exactly. It is possible. And especially because again, you do see so many times repeated on so many, like Instagram is really where I see it the most, but people will just say, or Facebook too. People love to judge other people's meals on Facebook. You'll be in this keto group watching someone post their meal and maybe they'll have chickpeas or they have carrots or they have like a lot of tomatoes and someone immediately has to post like X food isn't keto. Like this isn't a keto meal. And you're like, okay, well maybe not for you, but clearly it is for this person. So if it's working for them, why shame them about it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Now, do you find that you stay in in ketosis at 50 net carbs? Like if, when you go up in the winter, do you find like you stay in ketosis or do you really just 
focus on getting back into ketosis in the spring or how do you do that? So it sort of depends. I try to like stay in a very low state of ketosis. And, um, like I walk the dog for a couple of well, not a couple hours. That's me being very generous. That's like weekends, but, um, I'll walk the, I'm outside like walking the dog and I'm doing yoga, which again is just generally not as intense as during the summertime, but sometimes I'll do a nice intense session. Sometimes I feel like doing some cardio. So I'm still working out and still burning, um, burning up those glycogen sores in my muscles. And I think that, so like, I am still in ketosis for a lot of it, but like maybe on a, like a day where I don't bother exercising because I don't feel like it. And I want that sweet potato. It's going to kick me out of ketosis. And then I'm not going to stress about how long it takes me to get back in because it's just, my priority isn't being in ketosis. My priority is maintaining a good level of like blood, blood sugar, basically, and not having that sky right skyrocket and keeping my insulin in check. So yeah. that's really the important thing to me at least. And so I'm, yeah. I'm more, I more worry about like, how's my blood sugar doing? And then use keto as a tool to like modify that. I'm glad you mentioned that because everyone gets so hung up on ketosis, ketosis, this, ketosis, that. And it's like, put your meter away. Or, yeah. Oh my God. You know? right? Just like live, <laughs> just live, just, you know, eat as low carb as you can. And if you're, if you know that you're losing weight or you're um, you're feeling good and you have energy, you know, you're in ketosis and, and yeah. So, or, exactly. or not even losing, yeah. So I, I agree. People do get hung up on those things. I think it's really easy to get stuck on this idea that we need to have X amount of carbs. Our blood ketone levels need to be this much. And it's at the beginning, it can be super helpful to have those metrics to, to shoot for. Cause you're like, okay, like I know how I feel now when I'm in ketosis, which as you just pointed out is so different than how you feel when you're not in ketosis. So once you have that, that knowledge, you can say, okay, well, I know that if I eat kind of broadly this way, I stay in ketosis. But if I like start eating a bunch of blueberries or whatever, sadly, blueberries are like the highest carb of the berries, which hurts me a little bit, but I still include them. So I know uh, they're so good. Yeah. But like maybe for somebody who is really insulin um, resistant, like the blueberries don't work. So they try blueberries one day, they realize they've been kicked out of ketosis. And now it's a lesson that maybe you have less blueberries next time. And I think it's all about feeling it out and really building on all these personal experiences instead of just saying, oh, okay, well, I've been doing keto for three months, but I'm still like attached to my meter every five seconds and attached to the, um, like nutrient tracking apps to make sure that I'm not getting more than 20 grams of net carbs a day. Cause I think, well, that works great for some people. Some people just really love data and like, that's awesome. If that's like the, if someone just wants data points and they like, just okay. love that kind of stuff. That's cool. Like do your thing. Yeah. But I get worried for people who like, cause I have these tendencies to get really attached to these things, like a number or I do too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it must be. So you become obsessive and then it, it becomes unsustainable. You can't, you can't have a lifestyle where you're just constantly mm -hmm. obsessing over everything that you're putting in your mouth. That like, that becomes a disorder. It does. Yeah. Like, I've even like, I don't even weigh myself. Cause I'm just like, I, yeah, I could be neither. I could, I, Cause I've learned, you know, it just doesn't help me. I'm like, it does not help me to sit there and weigh myself. And I'm just going to eat the best I can healthy. And well, you know, Vata key, low carb oriented. And 
that's it. <laughs> I, I like, I feel like we are exactly the same person because that's, are. I used to be obsessed with weighing myself. And then I realized like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I weigh that number no. doesn't actually even mean anything. Cause if you have more muscle, you weigh a little more, but it's not a bad thing. If mm-hmm. it, and so I just go by now, like, how do I feel? Like, yeah. can I still like, am I feeling healthy and awake and good? Great. Then I'm good. Yeah. 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 And in your clothes and you know, if the clothes aren't getting, if they're getting too tight, then it's like, okay, well <laughs> need to feel right. that. But, but yeah, I don't, I've, I've done with that. I've decided I'm like, mm, no, I'm too old for that crap. <laughs> I am too. Like I'm way past that mark. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't have time for this <laughs> or energy. I don't have the energy to be so obsessed with it anymore. Mm, no, no, no. I, yeah, I, I remember I, I used to be a while ago, like in my early twenties and, um, and it's like, I, I would, I would even up into like, yeah, after I had my kids, my late, well, yeah, early thirties, even, I like sit there and track stuff. And, and then I realize it's just not ideal. It's just not healthy. Yeah. So, and it takes up so much mental space. Like if you, if you're constantly thinking, okay, I had this for breakfast, this for lunch, like this is how many carbs I've had today. This is how many calories I've had. This is how much exercise I need to do. It's like exhausting to have that running dialogue constantly going through your brain. Oh yeah. And it's, it's so freeing to just be like, okay, screw that. I know that I can eat this type, these types of foods and feel really good. And so I'm just going to focus on eating these types of foods. And I think a big part of it for me was like stopping watching TV while I was eating. I don't know if like, because I used to just like sit there in front of a TV and you're not even thinking you're just sort of like shoveling. Yeah. And now I've made like a conscious effort to be like, okay, it's meal time. I sit with my food. I do not just mindlessly shovel it into my mouth so that by the time I'm done, I don't even know I've eaten. Yeah. And I think, I think that's helped. I think that's helped a little bit. It, yeah, oh yeah. It, that's helped me too. That's what I do. I, I've, I've learned to, okay, I got to sit down. I don't need to eat standing up near the, <laughs> Pacing. you know, I, I mean, since there's been times I've caught myself, I'm so hungry and it's like, okay, I'm eating, standing up and I'm serving everyone their plate, you know, the kids. And then it's like, I, I'm like, no, I need to stop and I need to sit down and eat, just, you know, eat mindfully. And so I've, I've been really practicing that. It's a big difference. And, and I love that you even talk about recent experiences because I think it just shows that like even the two of us who we're trying so hard we still do these things. Like literally today, two hours ago, I was on a call for work and I found myself like muting the call to like shovel food in my face. Um, <laughs> Cause it was, it was like my lunchtime and I didn't, it wasn't a scheduled call. It's just someone called to be like, I need to go over this with you. And so I was like, Oh, okay. And so <laughs> I was like, sorry, I'm eating. But instead of putting my food down and waiting for later, I was so hungry. I was like walking around eat, cause we're remote right now. So I was like walking around my apartment, just like eating. I'm like, you have to stop. So I did, I put my bowl in the kitchen and I was like, get back to that later. Like this is not, this has ceased being your lunch hour. Like you can have your lunch. Once you get off this phone call, like you are at work, do not like I don't know, setting boundaries with yourself, really. Yeah, you have to. And because if I've learned recently, if I don't, and like, just, I mean, just the other night, I, I was, I caught myself standing up and eating and sitting down. And then I realized I got really full. 
and I like, I felt miserable. I'm like, this is not, this is not good. <laughs> like, I'm, uh, this is why I want to be mindful. And so I've, I've really have scaled back and I, and trying to pay attention. So I, I know it's, yeah, it's hard. It it's is. hard, especially like we have busy lives. We all have responsibilities. You can't just not you, you can't just not be with your kids they're right there like you can't be like sorry I need 10 minutes by or an hour by myself to have like quiet meditation and eating while you guys are awake and active like that doesn't work that way right and so that's right that's right what are your thoughts about and I know this comes up because I've been asked this about you know being a, a keto vegan and um what are your thoughts about the b12 absorption and taking b12 oh. and people that you know where I'm going with this. People always seem to ask that. Be obsessed with it. (laughs) Like as soon as they find out you're vegan, suddenly they are super concerned about your protein B12 levels. Like my dad, for example, he's like, well, aren't you missing out on the, I'm like, no, no, everything's fine. My, I'm I'm feeling great. (laughs) Right. Like firstly, so many foods are fortified with B12. So it's in like every non-dairy milk, every like, well, not every tofu, but a lot of tofu brands are fortified now with not only B12, but also like omega threes, like, which is crazy. It's what a world. And so I think that for the most part, like you really can get away with not supplementing if you're eating those things. And if you're not like there's a million supplements, they're super cheap. And yeah. you're like, it's like fractions of a penny a day for unlimited yeah. B12 forever. So <laughs> exactly. And also meat eaters are often deficient in B12 as well. It's not just vegans. It's because B12 is uh, synthesized by proteins in our gut. And so if your gut or not proteins by bacteria in our gut. So if your gut is not healthy, if your gut flora is unhealthy, which like so many of us have really awful gut flora and gut health, then you're not producing B12 either. So like your steak isn't saving you friend. No, it's not. It's not. (laughs) And since I've stopped eating meat, I mean, I I remember I had more aches and pains when, when I was eating meat, like more aches and, um, I've stopped and I've, I've felt great. And, and, you know, and then Meat, meat slows down your bowel. Right. And so, um, yeah, I don't miss it. I don't miss it one bit. And, you know, that's a good counter for people. Maybe like ask them how their fiber consumption is like when someone asks you, but where do you get B12? You can be like, but where do you get fiber? (laughs) (laughs) Of that. I would never though. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. I worry. I'm sure they're fine. Cause like you couldn't, you couldn't possibly sustain that if like you weren't like having bowel movements, right? Like you wouldn't just keep going if that was like not happening. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, I'm I like, I can't eat tortured. I can't eat tortured uh, animals. I just can't. I've, I've spiritually, it, spiritually, I can't do it. And it's made me, I feel like being vegan has elevated my, you know, my consciousness and spiritually, I really do. I absolutely agree with that. And like, totally agree for me. It's, I was actually talking to my husband about this earlier because he always throws me these hypotheticals of like, cause we're, we're talking about having kids. And so he's always like, well, if you were pregnant, would you eat and like insert thing here? And today's question was eggs. And so yes. the thing, exactly. I, go there. Like, I saw that question. and I was like, this is like fate. How is this all aligning? Um, because yeah. we have, we have like a, 
like super hippie farm down the street where it's like the chickens are all roaming and everyone's yeah. happy. And like, then there's an Audubon society across the street from the like hippie farm that also has happy roaming chickens. And so I had to think about it like long and hard. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like I would never eat KFO eggs like that. The, the thought of that to me is horrifying. Um, like industrialized eggs are awful, but like, I was thinking about it, like as a thought experiment, would I eat eggs from my own chicken? And then I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know, probably not because I'm too lazy to have a chicken, but, like, <laughs> but I was trying to think of it, like the morality of it and the ethics of it. And it's like, this chicken exists already and I'm just providing it a happy home. Is it exploitative to eat the egg of this chicken that lays anyway if it's not being fertilized and becoming a new chicken and then it just started this whole thing in my brain where the answer is still I don't know but I don't know but the the thing is eggs are high in protein they have choline they have a great macro right they have such a good macronutrient profile they're filled with micronutrients so I think if if someone has a source of happy eggs and they sorry that's what I call them um, (laughs) a source of like happy eggs and that's what they want to do. Like I wouldn't pass judgment on them because I think that if that's what's right for your body, then go for it. Absolutely. And I give my kids eggs. I mean, we're all, um, uh, we're all uh, veget. Well, I'm vegan, but my, my husband and sons are more like vegetarian because they eat eggs. Right. I, I, I wish I could eat an egg if I wanted to. Of course, I really don't really want to, but I'm actually allergic to the egg white. So it's easy choice for me. <laughs> it's funny you say that they give me a rash or at least they used to, I don't know now, but like yeah. so part of it is I'm like, if of all things, I'm not sure I would actually try to reincorporate that unless it may be like quail eggs, but where would I find like, yeah, like hippie quail eggs? I don't know. <laughs> it I feels know. like a lot of effort when you really don't need them. Right. That's right. That's, that's the way I felt like, well, maybe I'll try to, a turkey egg or, or something yeah. like that. I'm like, wait a second. This is too much. It's getting complicated. Now yeah. you're like trying to lure to wild turkeys into your yard. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, just forget it. I'm just, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy that's, with where I'm at. So <laughs> that's where I am. I'm like, if I really need like extra choline, I'll find a supplement. Like. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yep. Well, this is awesome. This is such great information for people. I'm really excited. Um, can you tell us more about your website? Um, oh, sure. And your book thank you. is coming out that I've recently purchased. <laughs> oh, thank you. So uh, my website is meatfreeketo.com. Um, 10 years ago, I liked that name. Now I'm like, oh, I wish it didn't have the word meat in it. But like, here we are. I like it. Um, oh, thank you. I like it. Yeah, I love it. All right, good. I, I'm never sure whether like I accidentally get tagged in a lot of meat pages on Instagram. And so I often wonder if like it was a poor choice, but maybe it gets a meat eater to check out my page and see that there's like a lot of non-meat options. Yeah. But, um, yeah. it's basically a bunch of like recipes. So what I love to do most is cook. I love the nutrition aspect of it as well. Like, I think it's so interesting, but I love sort of like teaching about nutrition. <laughs> I love teaching about nutrition through cooking and like through recipes. So my website is predominantly um, just vegan, gluten-free web uh, recipes that are keto-friendly. And then I try to do a lot of like allergen-friendly foods as well, just because so many people are allergic. Well, with you, it's eggs, but since it's vegan, 
since it's <laughs> vegan. It, Rocco, I'm dog saying this isn't even my dog, so he doesn't really listen that much. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, <laughs> no worries. <Sweet> friend. <laughs> but um, so it's a lot of recipes. It's a lot of, I have like lists of like a good um, vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds that are all keto friendly. So I check like mm-hmm. ingredient lists and mm-hmm. sometimes I'll have an informational post if like I have a whole one about keto vegan baking, because I don't know if you've ever tried to like bake things, but like baking without eggs or flour or butter or sugar or milk is really hard. It's really hard. I have a few recipes on my site that I did egg, eggless and keto friendly, and it, it's very difficult. Like, right. Oh, I'll check I use baking out. soda <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't know. What do you do? Like what, what ingredients are prime in lieu of eggs? that you use. Yeah. So like you, I use, um, like chemical leaveners, like baking soda and baking powder. And I also use, um, I also use, (laughs) he's normally so quiet. Um, but I also use like, uh, I'll do yeasted recipes. So like I have a yeast bread recipe that is like surprisingly bread, like for the fact that it's made out of like almond butter and coconut coconut flour and yeast, obviously, um, just enough sugar to like start and activate the yeast. But, um, I use a lot of coconut flour just because I, I tend not to be able to eat tons of nuts without them like bothering my digestion. So I just use coconut flour or like sunflower seed butter instead of almond butter. A lot of the times, Mm -hmm. um, but if you can tolerate almond butter, almond butter is great. That's just a me thing. Um, trying to think like basically my like baking staples are like sunflower seeds that I grind up into flour, um, like nut butters and seed butters. Psyllium husk makes a great binder instead of eggs. Uh, you can always use like a flax and a chia egg, but I found that psyllium husk really gives more of a, like a chew to things. It sort of approximates that. Yeah. Like it's, and gluten-free foods lack that, like sort of elasticity and things. So it's nice to have that as an option. That's pretty much it. It's weird. You can combine very simple ingredients to make some really interesting keto baked goods. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I believe it. Um, psyllium husk. I'm wondering, does that measure out like one tablespoon? Usually put like a tablespoon in your baked goods or Yeah, actually pretty much exactly that. So like for an egg, I'll use like a quarter cup of water or non-dairy milk if I'm feeling fancy. And, um, and then like a tablespoon of whole psyllium husks. And then that forms like a little egg for an egg. egg, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then great. I'm going to do that. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and it like adds more fiber in there, which is helpful. Yeah. 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 Well, and then, yeah, sorry. I get excited about go that. Ahead, go ahead. So Keep I, talking. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, and like, then you can, you can make so many things with using the psyllium husk. Like I like to make pancakes and I make, I make waffles like twice a week, but not just like regular waffles. Like my very first cookbook had a coconut waffle recipe, like a coconut flour waffle recipe. This cookbook, it's called plant forward keto. That's coming out. Oh, it came out. It came out January 11th. And it was a collaboration between me and another another author who isn't vegan. So she contributed eight non-vegan recipes to it. But then the rest of them, there's like 78 completely vegan recipes for me. But um, it's this book is called Plant Forward Keto. And it's aimed at like everyone to encourage more people just to eat plants and less meat overall, which is 
Like my goal in the world is to like educate people, not only on nutrition, but also to get everyone to eat more vegetables and like less meat by extension. Right. So, right. So, oh, great. I have a walk. Sorry. I'm all, I'm all over the place. I'm very like <laughs> right now. But the waffle recipe in that is a falafel waffle. So like I made a keto falafel recipe which is one of my favorite foods into a waffle so I make a ton of waffles so I highly recommend waffling things to anyone who wants to dip their toes into vegan keto baking yes yes I've made I've made a few coconut and almonds so I, I can't wait to get your book to see what you use and um that's exciting <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you, I'll send you a copy of it. If you give me your address, well, I'll get that after, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So yeah. So if any of you want to check her out at it's meatfreeketo.com, right? It's, it is. Thank and, you. And then she's also an, on Instagram. Can't talk uh, <laughs> at the same handle, right? Meat free keto. Yeah. So, all right. Fantastic. Well, um, thanks so much, Liz, for this. This has been so insightful for me and I really oh, appreciate it. I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been so informative for me as well. And I'm so yeah. glad we connected. Yeah. Good connection. All right. All right. <laughs> thanks. This has been the Holistic Keto Goddess Podcast with Jessica Ankaya. Follow the Holistic Keto Goddess on social media like Pinterest, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have any questions about today's show or how you can live a healthier life, visit HolisticKetoGoddess.com and go more in-depth with blogs and healthy living resources. Like, share, subscribe, and listen wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Holistic Keto Goddess Podcast with Jessica Ankaya.